When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Charts at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Executive Digital Director, West Coast. How's it going, Katie? Great. How about yourself? I'm all right. I had an exciting weekend. Um, Ooh, Disneyland. I did. You, if you follow me on Instagram, you saw <laughs> my exciting Disneyland trip. Did you see the whole journey, though? I saw that there was a flat tire involved. There was a flat tire. Went back to after a fabulous morning at Disneyland, got back to the parking garage, and I had a flat. Disneyland, apparently, I guess when you per- perhaps get a flat on their property, they send out someone to come fix it for you. That's awesome. And then after that, I immediately went to the nearest uh, Goodyear. <laughs> Not, was, not what you were planning to not do. Not what I was planning on to do. I had billboard work to do. Went there, and I was like, can you check my tires? They're like, yeah, all four of your tires are 10 years old, and they're all starting to crack. 10 years. Keith, that's irresponsible. Yeah, I could have had a blowout on the highway. So this was like a, a nice like warning shot that actually uh, totally saved your life. Yeah, it gets better, though. Uh-oh. Um, so they're like, we're closing in like an hour. We can replace the tires. I'm like, great. Then they... F- replace the tires and they're like we didn't have time to align them so i'm like can i drive on it they're like yeah you just need to go and get it aligned somewhere mm. i'm like okay i'm gonna just drive home to santa monica from disneyland which is like an hour away go to the nearest pet boys i go there i'm like hi and they're like yeah we can do it if you want to just wait i'm like great i'll wait so i wait an hour they finish it i drive home and at this point i'm like I've got interesting sunburn streaks on my arm. <laughs> I've now spent a lot of money on tires. Right. I've got billboard work to catch up on. It's been a long day. It's been a day. So I'm like, I need to take a shower. I'm going to take a nap. And it's a, like, it's it's getting late. And I'm like, okay, I am just, I really need to order dinner and like order a drink. So order dinner to pick up with a cocktail to pick up. <laughs> and um, I'm going to, I'm like, all right, let me walk out to the car. I'll drive over there in like 10 minutes, get to the car. My headlights are on. Oh, my God. I'm like, I didn't turn on my headlights in broad daylight. Someone at the tire place oh, must have turned it on. Or when they aligned it, they must have. didn't realize it when you got out. No, because my, my, my headlights don't beep when I get out of the car mm. because my car is super old. Anyway, so at that point, my battery wouldn't, oh, my car wouldn't start. My God. So I'm like, how do I go Were pick you back up my to food? Pat Boys? No, it was like, oh my God. it was like nine o'clock at night. Did you get on a scooter? I got on an e-bike. Oh, there you go. Anyway, so <laughs> the, ne- saga. the next day I got the car jumped and I got to work today oh my and everything God. is fine. But yeah, Disneyland was great. Right. And I'm glad Disney was fun. Anyway. Wow. Um, well, as always, <laughs> there you go, everybody. The Billboard Pop Shop Podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop and sometimes about car troubles <laughs> on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. 
Today on the show, we've got news on how Bad Bunny's Un Verano Senti holds atop the Billboard 200 albums chart, while rock band Shinedown clocks its fifth top 10 album on the tally with its latest release, Planet Zero. And how Lizzo's About Damn Time inches ever closer to number one on the Billboard Hot mm. 100 songs chart as the track rises from number three to a new high of number two. Can it go all the way and become her second number one? Mm. And how Metallica scores its first hit song on the Hot 100 in over a decade with a song from the 1980s as its classic track Master of Puppets debuts on the chart following its prominent placement in the latest season of Netflix's Stranger Things. Do we have another running up that hill-sized hit on our hands? Stay tuned, because we're talking all about it. Yes, and speaking of Metallica, what is up with these massive Stranger Things bumps for 80 songs? Keith and I are talking about how just how rare it is and why now. Plus, Backstreet Boys announced last week that they're putting out their first Christmas album, and we hopped on the phone with Backstreet's Kevin Richardson to Duh. talk all about it. Also, breaking pop shop news as we're recording this show, Leah Michelle was just announced to replace Beanie Feldstein as Fanny Bryce in Broadway's Funny Girl revival. So Glee is now real life, basically. Uh, stick around for our many thoughts on this breaking news. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. Let's do the chart chat. First up on the Billboard 200 albums chart, Bad Bunny's Un Verano Senti holds a top... <laughs> holds at number one for a fourth non-consecutive week atop the list, and the first time it's actually notched two weeks in a row at number one. The set earned 111,000 equivalent album units in the U.S. in the week ending July 7th, according to Luminate, and that was down just 4% compared to the previous week. Unstoppable. Unstoppable. Notably, Bad Bunny's album earned over twice the number of units as the album at number two, Harry Styles' former number one, Harry's House, which earned 54,000 units for the week. Could Bad Bunny make it five weeks at number one? Well, right now it looks like the chart's top debut next week could come from Brent Fayez's Wasteland. He's charted just one album previously, reaching number 20 in 2020 with F the World. And if you haven't heard of uh, Fayez, uh, OG pop shopper Jason Lipschitz wrote on Billboard.com recently that the singer has, quote, been on the brink of stardom for years, and his sophomore album, Wasteland, may be the moment where he transcends his high-profile collaborations and stands on his own in the spotlight. Hmm. Also due for high debuts next week on the Billboard 200, K-pop girl group Espa with Girls, the second mini-album, and Burna Boy's Love, Domini. All right, well, after last week where we had four debuts in the top 10 on the Billboard 200, this week it's a lot quieter as just one album debuts in the top 10. Guess nobody wanted to release any new albums over the 4th of July weekend. Mm -hmm. um, rock band Shinedown is the top debut as the act's new album, Planet Zero, starts at number five. Um, notably, Planet Zero is the second highest charting hard rock album of 2022 after Ghosts Impera debuted and peaked at number two in March. And actually, uh, Planet Zero is just the third hard rock album to even make the top 10 in 2022. The other was Def Leppard's Diamond Star Halos, which debuted and peaked at number 10 in June. All right, next up, over on the Hot 100 Songs chart, as Harry Styles, as it was, nabs a ninth non-consecutive week at number one, Lizzo's About Damn Time inches closer to the top, 
rising three to two, a new peak. The song is still gaining in radio airplay audience and becomes the most heard song on U.S. radio as it hits number one on the radio songs chart. Meanwhile, As It Was is declining across all three measured metrics for the chart, radio airplay, sales, and streams. If About Damn Time hits number one, it will mark Lizzo's second chart topper on the Hot 100, following Truth Hurts in 2019. About Damn Time is flirting with number one on the eve of the release of its parent album, Special. The album will be released this Friday, July 15th, and is Lizzo's first album since 2019's Cuz I Love You. See, I was going to say, she's just got to get her friend Harry to do a feature on an About Damn Time remix. To, to go leapfrog him on that 100. You know, the song is doing just fine without a single darn well, feature. I was going to say, anything and kooky. you just said, you know, the album comes out. That's probably going to be help. the push it needs over the hump. And it, man, that's a great song. I'm glad. I'm so glad it has a shot at number one. I mean, it did have like a TikTok, you know, dance to go with it to help yes. it. Um, hopefully. I mean, but it's just, it's, if I, even if you set aside the TikTok virality, it's still an incredibly fun. Um, it, what's the word? Ebulent? Ebulent? Uh, it'd be ebullient. Ebullient? Yes. Is that a correct word to use here? I think so. Okay. Bubbly? Bubbly? Basically? Yeah. It's, it's, whenever you want to say ebullient, maybe just try bubbly. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> this is why I talk to copy editor lady. <laughs> this is why we just read and write and we don't talk normally. <laughs> we have a podcast. Um, all right. Well, lastly... Also bowing on the Hot 100, a song that is over 35 years old, Metallica's Master of Puppets. The rock track from the 1986 album of the same name launches at number 40 on the Hot 100. Hot 40! (laughs) Off the strength of its streaming activity, sparked by its prominent usage in the second volume of the fourth season of Stranger Things, which was released to Netflix, I think, on July 1st. Metallica hasn't been on the Hot 100 since November of 2008, when The Day That Never Comes, the act's last top 40 hit, closed out its 10-week run on the list. Still my turn to talk, because now it's time for the chart stat of the week. But don't get concerned. The show's not ending. There's lots more to come. We're doing things a little out of order this week. Katie really is in the room with me. (laughs) We haven't haven't restructured this. I'm here. She's here. All right, well, after the resurgence of Kate Bush's Running Up That Hill and Metallica's Master of Puppets, thanks to Stranger Things, you might be wondering if this sort of thing has happened before. I am. (laughs) That is, an old song returns to the charts after years or sometimes decades after being away. In Master of Puppets' situation, it never was on the Hot 100, but in Kate Bush's situation, Running Up That Hill was a Hot 100 hit back in the 80s, and then it came back. So Master of Puppets, not the perfect example here, but you get the idea. (laughs) So while it is easier to surge back onto the charts this year, in 2022, and in also recent years, thanks to how our charts are more inclusive of an array of data and measurements that we simply didn't have in previous decades, that wasn't the case back in the yield and days, like in the 80s. But here are a few notable songs that returned to the Hot 100 long after their initial run, thanks to their use in a TV show or a film and their subsequent reissue as a physical single. Because remember, back in the day, you had to have released a physical single, like a seven-inch vinyl single or a CD single, to get onto the chart in the first place. So, 
1986, we actually have a number of songs that did this. After the Beatles' version of Twist and Shout was used memorably in the film Ferris Bueller's Day Off, the 1964 number two peaking single was reissued, and it returned to the Hot 100, becoming a top 40 hit again. It hit number 23 on September 27th, 1986. You know, our colleague Andrew mentioned in his article about this very topic that it was also in the Rodney Dangerfield movie Back to School that same year, and apparently contributed to the bump. Yeah, I, apparently I, I was going to include that, but I, 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 op, I opted to leave it out because I think in Back to School, which I think was a sequel to Summer School? I'm not sure. Nope. Nope, it wasn't. Two totally Absolutely separate summer, movies. Summer School was Mark Harmon. Correct. This was just a, lots of school <laughs> I movies. I love 80s movies. Those yeah. are two different movies. Just, Haven't seen Godfather, but have seen Summer School and Back to School. She admitted it. I didn't. <laughs> um, so Back to School, apparently, if we believe Wiki, because I saw Back to School a million years ago, but I don't remember it. Apparently, Rodney Dangerfield sings or lip syncs to the Isley Brothers version of Twist and Shout, right. not the Beatles version. Interesting. So that's why. Um, and in my mind, I'm like, what I remember was Ferris, like Matthew Broderick as oh. Ferris Bueller lip syncing and dancing in the middle of a parade course, to Twist and Shout. Of course. Like, that's the iconic, iconic. thing you remember. Yes. yes. All right. Well. Um, ben E. King's number four hit from 1961, Stand By Me, got a new life in 1986 as well, when the film of the same name spurred the song's reissue and promotion. The song even returned to the top ten, and it hit number nine in December of 1986. Stand By Me was the coming-of-age movie based upon a Stephen King short story, and the film starred River Phoenix, um, Will Wheaton, Jerry O'Connell, and a fourth gentleman. Yeah, you're missing um, uh, one of the Corys, Corey Feldman. <gasps> there we go. Yeah. Did I get them all right? Yeah. yeah the rest go. of it was good. One of the Corys. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Corey, but Katie was here to save me. Yeah. Proof again, Katie's in the room. <laughs> um, clearly, there was something in the water in 1986 as Billy Vera and the Beaters' 1981 single, At This Moment, was reissued after it was used throughout the season as a love theme on the hit sitcom Family Ties. The hugely popular show's use of the song spurred Rhino Records to reissue, well, actually to issue the single, because originally in 1981 it was on a different record label and apparently mm. Rhino bought the rights to mm. it. Good move by Rhino. Good, good move, Rhino. So they bought it and then uh, issued it from Rhino for the first time, and the song actually shot to number one, far outpacing its number 79 peak in 1981. Literally cannot hear that song without thinking of Family Ties. So. What did you think? <laughs> Such a good song. All right. Well, after the Contours, 1962 hit Do You Love Me was used in the 1987 film Dirty Dancing. The single was reissued in 1988 and climbed to number 11 on the Hot 100 that year. The single had originally peaked at number three in October of 1962. Also of note, Do You Love Me, despite its prominence in Dirty Dancing, wasn't on the original soundtrack album. Mm. It was only included on the sequel soundtrack album titled More Dirty Dancing. Which we all had as well. Yeah. Well, you know. <laughs> um, okay. Moving forward a few years. In 1992, Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody, which had previously peaked at number nine in 1976, became more popular than ever after it was, re uh, after it was featured in a scene in the film Wayne's World, where Wayne and Garth and their friends had banged to Bohemian Rhapsody. The song was reissued as a single and jumped all the way to number two in May of 1992. 
If you might be wondering what it was stuck behind, it was stuck behind Criss Cross's number one hit, Jump. Um, so there you have it. There's just a, a few instances of songs that were on the Hot 100 at some point in the past, distant past, that came back to the charts thanks to TV and film, just like Running Up That Hill. Okay, so having talked about all that, we I feel like we need to talk about like why now and why Stranger Things. This is just wild to see these two songs reemerge in such a massive way, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't completely fully get it nor understand it, but yes, I'm dying to know why. Katie, tell me. It, well, it's clearly a big. I mean, it must be a big audience. It's not everybody, obviously. Like the whole world isn't watching this, but it's a big rabbit audience. It's an audience that is watching these episodes the second they come out, and both of these songs were used very prominently in this new season. With Kate Bush's "Running Up That Hill" being the the character theme song for Max, um, who's played by Sadie Sink. And then Metallica's Master of Puppets, um, the guitar solo, was performed by the character Eddie, who's played by Joseph Quinn. So I feel like they're always using 80s songs and Stranger Things, but I think the way that they very specifically use these songs seems to be having just an insane impact. Yeah, I think it, it's probably, it's yes, because of the uniqueness of how they place the songs and how they've made them more than just sort of background decoration. yeah. That's why the songs have ha- have actually permeated in in a much greater way than normal. Yeah, and then I I mentioned our um, coworker Andrew's article. He has an article about this very thing on Billboard.com, and uh, he uh, discovered that or who did he speak with the um, Ross? Sean Ross. Sean Ross. He used to work at Billboard. Thank you. So he spoke. He had an interview. He's like, with he's Sean like a radio Ross. analyst. Yes, and one of the things that they talked about was that um, the all the ones that Keith just mentioned was also during this heyday of CHR, which was contemporary hit radio. And they kind of like fed into this whole, like a, a DJ could decide to play a song, like not just like the film and TV syncs, but also like a DJ could be like, oh, that song was in that movie. I'm going to put it on like the radio lineup right now. And his theory was basically that that type of radio, which kind of fell out of favor in the early 90s when grunge and and uh, like gangster rap and all that kind of took over mm-hmm. mainstream music, that that also kind of fell off. And now streaming has turned it into like, oh, it's back in everybody's hands. Everyone can be their own programmer. Correct. 100%. So it feels like that's the biggest thing. I mean, there's actually like if you sort of separate the film and TV aspect away from that and just think of there are... There are uh, specific examples of songs that became hits because a radio DJ mm. championed them. And that kind of thing doesn't ha- – even if we if we go pre-streaming and just look at kind of like the 2000s and 2010s, like before streaming really kind of took off, most, most radio stations were programmed by some sort of corporate conglomerate computer. Right. They, there wasn't a whole lot of control at sort of the station level. And that was a late 90s move, too, when yeah. it basically cle- cleared the way for Clear Channel to kind of take over most right. of radio. And, and then, yes, they DJs were beholden to what um, they had to do on a corporate level. But, like, you know, like the rock, rock sets The Look, which was a number one hit from 1989, was a song that was discovered by, I, I want to say it was like a college student who found the single in Sweden and brought it back to 
America and I think gave it to a radio DJ who loved the song, played it, and it became wild. the first of four number ones for Roxette. Or um, uh, there was a great example of, now I can't think of it, but there have been other examples of that as well um, in history. And that's where, kind of TikTok yeah. at this point. Yeah. You know, at the, somebody, an influencer, decides to put a song on TikTok and on all of a sudden a trend pops out of it and that's how something like the Pharrell song from the Despicable Me soundtrack like Head right. in the Clouds or whatever it's called became like a Hot 100 hit because uh, people who are on TikTok are being basically the radio DJs of today Correct. but on TikTok I did want to mention because I was kind of thinking like are there other shows that could have this kind of impact and one of the shows that I came upon I I have so many friends who watch The Boys on Amazon and I I do not watch it mm-hmm. it's like a superhero series but like I went back to um one of Kevin's articles about the top TV songs chart and they also are using you know classic songs Dream On by Aerosmith We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel Sympathy for the Devil by the Rolling Stones Pressure by Billy Joel Psycho Killer by Talking Heads and it feels like if that audience you know were to I guess get on the Stranger Things level which maybe it's close or not there yet or that that could be ripe for having this kind of moment in a future season you know the way they use music I mean if we if we knew what Stranger Things is um audience reach actually was the number of viewers that actually yeah. watched it but we don't because Netflix traditionally doesn't share any of yeah. that yep so but we're it's clearly big well it's, it's <laughs> either clearly big or it is big with the right kind of people who yeah. are going to want to discover music on streaming services totally. All right. Well, we could talk about that all day. It's actually been something that Billboard has been writing about for the last month, basically, and we will continue to. Um, So please stick with Billboard.com for more. Um, We also have some news about Backstreet Boys ushering in the holidays this year with a very Backstreet Christmas. It is a collection of Christmas classics, plus three brand new songs out October 14th. And somehow it's... Backstreet's first ever Christmas album. What took them so long? What took them so long? Um, for the record, they did release a song called Christmas Time in December 1996, but that is it. That's their, own, their, that's their only Christmas correct. song? Correct. Wow. So, um, for A Very Backstreet Christmas, the band recorded White Christmas, Silent Night, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, and other timeless songs. But they also did three new songs, Christmas in New York, Together, and Happy Days. And I actually got to hop on Zoom with Kevin Richardson from Backstreet to talk about the new album and much more. So we're going to give you the full chat a little later on um, this month, but I wanted to give a little tease about the Christmas stuff. So let's hear what he had to say about those three new songs and what they're all about. Okay, Christmas in New York is basically, it has the vibe of when you hear it, you're gonna, it makes you feel like you've heard it before. Like there's a familiarity to it. It's, um, it's more of a classic um, Christmas vibe and melodies and feeling. That one, Christmas in New York. It Even the like, title sounds classic. It sounds like an old, it sounds like Dean Martin or Frank Sinatra. When you hear it, you're like, I could hear guys singing it. But it's a modern, it's a modern take on that. And it's about uh, how magical, if you've ever been work around the holidays, it is magical. And yeah. that's what the song's about. And then Happy Days is, you know, we were thinking about, you know, what everyone, because we, we started working on this during the, it's kind of the height of, of COVID. 
And a lot of people had been separated for a long time from their loved ones. And this was about finally being able to come together and celebrate the holidays again. So that's what that song's about. And uh, let's see, there's Christmas in New York, Happy Days. And, and Together. Together. Together's similar, but it's more about, it's more about um, being with the one that you love, like your partner mm-hmm. uh, around the holidays. Yeah. Okay, so that's just a little taste of my chat with Kevin. Um, you can hear the full conversation in which we talk about their current tour and how Drake ended up coming out with them for I Want It That Way in Toronto. Plus, Kevin reflects on the 25th anniversary of the group's first top 10 hit on the Billboard Hot 100, Quit Playing Games With My Heart. And, you know, Kevin was my Backstreet Boy, so I was really excited to talk to him. It was awesome. Did you tell him that? Um, no, I told his uh, I told his publicist that, but I didn't tell him that. <laughs> Maybe that's why he got to talk to Kevin. Uh, no, I told his publicist that after he had booked Kevin. And it was just the universe smiling upon you. It was indeed, serendipity. But, um, you know, Keith and I love to talk about Christmas music, too, so I'm sure we'll be talking all about that Backstreet album uh, when it comes out in October. And finally, on Sunday... Beanie Feldstein announced that she would be leaving her role as Fanny Bryce in the current Broadway revival of Funny Girl earlier than expected. Actually, earlier, earlier than expected, because yeah. they announced last month that she and Jane Lynch were leaving the production in September. But then on Sunday, she said, actually, I'm going to be out by the end of the month. OK, pause. Yes. So Funny Girl was legendarily the thing that made Barbra Streisand a star. It, it, she originated the role. She originated on Broadway, the role on Broadway. Then she made her film debut as Fanny Bryce in the movie. And didn't she win her Academy Award for Best Actress in Funny Girl as well? Well, Paul will tell you if she didn't. Pretty sure she did. <laughs> but but this, despite decades of people kind of talking about a revival of this, there was never a revival on Broadway, and it right. was likely because the the role was so intrinsically connected and linked to Barbara Streisand and her performance. And anything, anytime, anyone would have stepped into this role, you would have been compared to Barbara Streisand. And that would be incredibly hard to do. And there was a lot of pressure around it. But Funny Girl was relaunched on Broadway earlier this year with Beanie Feldstein in in the lead role. Um, There was a lot of fanfare, a lot of excitement, and ultimately uh, it did not uh, delight Tons of critics. Well, and for instance, at the Tony Awards, I think it got a single nomination. Right. She, Beanie Feldstein was not nominated. The show wasn't nominated for revival. Yeah. All these things that people kind of assumed Expected. that would happen. So clearly there have been a lot of shakeups behind the scenes as they try to figure out, well, what are we going to do going forward? So that Sunday announcement of Beanie leaving earlier than expected paved the way for Monday morning's announcement that Leah Michelle will take over the role in September. So this is, this is insanity. It's true. I mean, it's like Twitter did, made this happen. That's what it feels like. It feels like the internet made this happen. So a little backstory for anyone who didn't watch Glee religiously like I did back in the day. Uh, Leah Michelle's Glee character, Rachel Berry, was obsessed with Barbara Streisand and Funny Girl and everything involved with Barbara, everything. So she had a huge moment in the first season performing Don't Rain on My Parade, which is Barbara's signature number from the musical. And then Leah also performed the song at the Tonys the following year 
year in 2010. And then it became a big storyline in the show that her character was going to star as Fanny Bryce in a Broadway revival. And actually, I didn't include this, but I read that Ryan Murphy even uh, either secured the rights for it or made moves to do so to kind of bring that reality to life like after Glee as well. So this has just been this weird thing that's been like, especially for people who watch Glee, just like a thing that's in the stars. And so when they announced the Funny Girl revival and it was not Leah Michelle, like that itself was a story. And she actually reacted to Beanie's casting, like by commenting on an Instagram post that Beanie put up when she first got the role saying, you're going to be great. Oh, okay. And um, yeah, really sweet. But then Beanie did an interview who was where she was like, I don't know, Leah Michelle, like basically like Leah Michelle just like hopped in the comments because probably she knew every Glee person ever was going to be like, why isn't this you? So she was trying to be gracious. Right. But now she's got the part. Now she has the part. I mean, it feels like maybe this is a Glee episode happening in real time. Like maybe they'll make a Glee Netflix revival. So when so when is Leah Michelle supposed to join the cast? She's joining in September. So they actually are having after Jane Lynch is left. Oh, actually, I think there might be a Jane slight Lynch was on overlap Glee. because so the I know that the understudy for Beanie is going to perform it all through August, but I think there might be a slight. Slight Leah yeah. Jane overlap. I kind of hope that there yeah. would be because but they, I, I'm never. I'm going to butcher her name, but they booked somebody great to replace um, uh, Jane too. Uh, Tova, do you know her? Tova Feldstein. Yeah, she. Wait, no, Feld, no, not to- Feldstein. Uh, oh shoot, um, Feldshaw. Yes, yes, a huge, huge Broadway star. Huge. So yeah. that's who's replacing her, and so it's. I mean. What's wild is there's probably an audience that is more pumped for the round two casting than for the original, because this is like if you are a Glee stan and there were a lot of them, as evidenced by our charts during Glee's run, you wanted to see this. Like if you watch that show, you wanted to see this happen. Do you think this will be good? I mean, yes, because, I mean, here's the thing. Leah Michelle is Leah a Michelle fabulous can, she can, singer. She can sing the hell out of it. And she's a fabulous Broadway actress. She was in Spring Awakening, for God's sakes. I mean, uh, Jonathan Groff's got to be over here coaching her right now. Is Jonathan Groff going to end up in Funny Girl? <laughs> He'll be front row, man. He will be front row. I just think this is, like, crazy that this actually happened. I mean, it's the kind of thing, like, when they first announced Beanie was leaving in September, everyone hoped and wished and, and like, joked about it. And now it's actually happening. Anyway. Wow. <laughs> so there you have it. Breaking pop shop news. Wow. All right. Well, <laughs> with all that, uh, uh, what song should we, um, this end of our show. Oh. Right? Yes. Okay. It's the end of the show. Um, what song should we go out on? Oh, my gosh. Leah like Michelle's rendition of, of Don't Rain on My Parade from Glee. I mean, well, I mean, yes. Yes? <laughs> I was going to go for like more of a stretch, but why not just do that? I mean, John, I'll just be hitting, just hit it right on the nose and go ahead and do it. And by the way, Barbara Streisand did win her uh, Oscar for Best Actress for Funny Girl. It was a tie that year. A tie? A tie. Wow. With Katherine Hepburn in whatever she you was know in what? that year. I, I, if I'm an actress, I don't mind a tie. Just give me the Oscar. There's a great, there's a great <laughs> sort of conspiracy theory that... Um, um, well, you've probably seen this. You can Google it. But so, um, uh, so that was her first film. But um, apparently, um, Barbara had become a voting member. She was invited to become a voting member of the Academy earlier that year. Just as a Broadway star. Just basically. as a Broadway yeah. star, basically a, a Broadway and and film like um, song like album recording star. Yes. But she was invited to become 
a voting member. Oh, I hear where this is going. Even though the film hadn't come out yet. Well, the film comes out. She gets nominated. Well, you assume she's going to vote for herself. I hope she did. And if she did, she her wow. invitation to become a voting member without having had a film come out yet enabled her to get an Academy There's Award. There's no shame in this. I love it all. I think it's great. Crazy. Actually, it sounds like a Rachel Berry storyline. <laughs> there's going someone. People on people were joking on social media. They're like, we hope Ryan Murphy's going to make the was it the, uh, the sort of um, not American Horror Story, but the um, you know when he does the Joan and Joan Crawford, oh, Betty Davis, like a decade down the line, right. do the thing about like Beanie getting replaced yes. and the whole thing. Yeah. It is a real. I mean, it's like Smash. I watch Smash religiously as well on NBC about like the goings on behind the Broadway production about Marilyn Monroe. And it is like that in real, actual life. It's really fucking weird. This is going to be so weird. We should get Lee Michelle on the show. Hell yes. Um, all right, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Tell me not to fly. I've simply got to. If someone takes a spell, it's me and not you. Who told you you're allowed to rain on my parade? How much am I bent out? Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.